Welcome into another edition of MCM Radio. I am Jimmy Morris, joined as always by Terry Lambert. Terry, how are you today? Doing well. What's going on? Not too much. I have a feeling this is going to be one of our weirder victory episodes, um, <laughs> just with the way that things went down yesterday. But we're going to get into all of that. Uh, before we do, always remind you, MCM Radio is our feed. Uh, search for that where you get your podcasts. Subscribe. You'll get our show. you get Titan Film, Titans Film Room Radio as well. So check that out. MuseumMiracles.com is where we write. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at JMorrisMCM. Terry's at T Lambert TN. So the Titans beat the Buccaneers 27-23 yesterday. Um, second start for Ryan Tannehill. I don't think we've recorded a show since. I don't, I don't think we recorded one last week. So I haven't really talked about the play of Tannehill. So maybe we can start out there because that is a, a positive thing. And I've gotten in trouble on Twitter from a couple people today for complaining too much after a win. So we can be positive here for a minute. Um, you know, I mean, if, if you followed us through our different places the last couple of years, like I said, you know we were huge. Mariota fans, and I mean, I talked a little, a little bit about this on the episode that I did right after the announcement was made that they were switching to Tannehill. Um, that I mean, you hate to see the way it ended for Mariota here, but that the Titans absolutely made the right decision to switch to Tannehill, and, and he's proven that in the last couple of weeks. Um, he's been efficient with the ball. Uh, he is much more, it feels like, decisive in, in, in where he throws the ball, has more zip on the ball than Marcus did. You see him making more throws to wide receivers. Now, uh, yesterday was a little challenging when they didn't ever put any wide receivers on the field, um, and that's something that we'll get into here in a minute. But, I mean, I, I think it's pretty obvious through two games that the that, that Mike Vrabel and you know the Titans who, whoever was involved in the in the idea to make the switch I, mean, I think it's pretty obvious at this point that that was the right decision yeah and you had to find out you know that's that's what we both said Marcus Mario was playing so bad that you had to go to T- Tannehill just to see what was there in the early returns you know it's two wins uh, I know that I, I don't like using quarterback wins but Tannehill has played winning football for the Titans uh you know Make I think you said it best the the, the decisiveness there. Uh, that's what we haven't seen from from Mariota in this offense. Uh, I, I don't know what happened to him there. I, I don't know why he didn't trust what he was seeing. Uh, I don't know why he couldn't get through his progressions anymore. Uh, maybe it was PTSD from playing behind this offensive line. Uh, but you're seeing Tannehill play behind the same offensive line and, and make better throws, uh, move the ball down the field, put points on the board. Um, so. Uh, you know, yesterday you saw that leaky offensive line again. You know, there's a couple injuries there, uh, a couple of plays where he just didn't didn't have a chance. But um, I, I think he's getting rid of the football quicker. Um, you know, and need to look at the data to back that up. But uh, definitely the the offense has been more efficient over these last two weeks. You know, you see it on the scoreboard. You certainly see it in the win column. So is Tannehill the answer? You know, we're, we're definitely not saying that, but. Uh, through two weeks, he looks like a guy that might just be able to nurse this season along and keep Titans in a, in the postseason race. And you know, who knows? You know, you look down the line, maybe you, you bring this guy back for for another year, uh, just kind of as a band aid, uh, and, and just kind of see how it goes. Because this roster, you know, we've talked about it, it's still pretty good. Yeah, and that's the other thing. And we talked about this when you know at the time when they're thinking about making the switch as well. It, this defense is so good that it was a it was a shame to you know waste that with what we had seen out of the offense for the first few weeks of the season so um it, you know Tannehill's doing enough to to get out there and to i mean yesterday you know the defense sets up two short fields 
Titans get touchdowns on both of those uh, touchdown passes from Tannehill. So, I mean, you know, you wanted a guy that could come in and, and could take advantage of that type of thing, um, play the strengths of this team. Uh, he's, he's been pretty good at taking care of the ball so far. Uh, he fumbles a lot, um, but that's not anything different than, than Mario. The, the Titans have been ridiculously lucky with fumbles this year. Um, Mike had a stat a couple weeks ago on Twitter. I can't remember what it was, but, like, you know, fumbles are typically, like, 50-50. You know, you, you recover half of them. And the Titans had recovered something like 95% of their fumbles. And then they get lucky again yesterday on the fake field goal where Brett Kern obviously fumbled. And Buccaneers got picked it up, you know, touchdown. Nobody was going to catch him. And the, the referee blew a whistle. So that, that didn't count. But, um, you know, just anyway, all that to say that – there are some, some issues with Tannehill, and like you said, neither, neither one of us are going to sit here and say that he's your long-term solution. But he's the right guy for what they have right now. And if they decide next year to draft a quarterback, I mean, I think they, they should. I think that should be their target in the first round. But you, you could see a, a deal where um, you know they, they bring Tannehill back to, to bridge that gap if necessary. Or, you know, they signed Tom Brady this offseason, and we don't talk about any of that. <laughs> but anyway, uh, <laughs> that, got, you know, that got a whole new life after the whole Adam Schefter thing. Let's go, um, let's go that game. route. Yeah, I mean, you know. But um, anyway, so... But, it, you know, like I said, good good that Tannehill has come in and, and done what they needed him to do. You know, 2-0, like you said, that, that's not – quarterback wins are not the greatest indicator. But talked about it. I mean, the defense that, was, that wasn't hardly ever giving up more than 20 points, you just needed an offense that could take advantage of certain things and, and, and put points on the board, you know, at least a little bit, and that's what they've been able to do. Um, so that that's the good from yesterday and the good from what's happened, um, you, you know, since he took over. The bad from yesterday is a few things. Number one, this offensive coaching staff is a disaster. And we talked so much during the whole Malarkey-Robisky deal about wanting a coaching staff that would take advantage of the other team's weaknesses. And, you know, everybody points to the Patriots for that with good reason. Bill Belichick, that is what he has made his living off of. They have a different game plan from week to week. They never say – you know, our identity is to run the ball, and we're going to run the ball no matter what. They are great at identifying, you know, for their offense, they're great at identifying what the opposing defense doesn't do well and, and taking advantage of that. And they're great on defense at identifying the other team's number one weapon and taking that guy out of the game. Um, we thought we were going to have that in Mike Vrabel, and we saw a few indications of that last year in certain, you know, areas where, like, the Texans game where, you know, they didn't have the tackles and they didn't have Mariota, and, and they had a really specific game plan for the Texans there. They were able to take advantage of some things they knew. The Patriots game plan uh, last year, you know, they, they took advantage of things that they knew they could get against the Patriots. You know, now what what are the, both those teams have in common? It, it's both, you know, coaching staffs that Mike Vrabel is familiar with. I don't, I don't know how much that plays into it. But this year, with this offensive coaching staff, we just haven't seen that. And, and like I referenced a few minutes ago, with no wide receivers being on the field, I mean, when you're looking at a, a game yesterday where you come in, the, the Buccaneers are pretty much by far the worst pass defense in the league. I mean, the, the difference between them and the, and the 31st place team w- was pretty big coming in. They were the only team in the league that was giving up more than 300 yards a game passing. So you think, hey, you've got these two receivers in, in A.J. Brown and Corey Davis. You've got a third receiver in Adam Humphreys that you spent pretty good money on this offseason. Titans are going to line up three wide, take advantage of that. That's not what we saw at all yesterday. In fact, you know, Michael Pruitt, who is the blocking tight end, right, 
Um, he played three less snaps than Corey Davis and A.J. Brown, so he was on the field basically as much as those guys. And he played something like six or eight snaps more than Adam Humphreys. And I, to me, this is back to malarkey, robisky, we're going to do what we're going to do, we're going to establish the run, when you know it's, it's, it's obvious coming in that the team you're facing has an obvious deficiency. Why don't you go and attack that? And this group just is not doing that right now, and that's extremely frustrating to me. Yeah, and, and I can't, for the life of me, figure out why they refuse to put A.J. Brown on the field consistently. Um, Tajay Sharp, you know, it, it seems like it's the guy in two receiver sets, and A.J. Brown is lagging behind that. I don't get that after, you know, what we've seen from, from A.J., you know, get the ball in his hands. You look at the Atlanta game, he makes something happen. Uh, you know, this offense could certainly use that. I, I don't understand that part of it. You, you know, look at the targets. Johnny Smith was the leading receiver on the team, uh, backup tight end. Um, you know, seven targets. That, that's one more than Corey Davis got. You know, Corey had two for nine yards, two catches for nine yards against, you know, one of the worst passing defenses in the league. You know, me and you both play DFS football. And, you know, the, the, the Bucks are a team that you target. You know, you fire up your quarterback and your receivers against the Bucks. So we both did that yesterday, and we both took a bath for it. Uh, so I, I, I just don't get it. You know, Derrick Henry had a, you know, you look at the stat line, he had a decent day. But, you know, I think a couple of those came, most of those yards came on two runs. Uh, so most of the time it was just Derrick Henry slamming into an offensive line that was down two starters, uh, you know, for, for much of the day. Uh, Saffold going out early. Uh, you know, you got J- Jamil Douglas in the game. We know how that goes. So I, I just don't get it. You know, you've, you've got the injury to Saffold now. Uh, maybe they were, maybe they felt like they couldn't protect Ryan Tannehill. Uh, maybe that was the answer. Um, but I, I don't know. At some point, you got to trust your guys. And I'm just tired of seeing Derrick Henry smash into the line of scrimmage for little to no gains at all. You know, you saw that stat in the middle of the game. Derrick Henry has the most negative rush attempts in the league. So definitely something uh, that that's not on him. It, it, it's on the offensive line. But at the same time, as a play caller, you know, you've got to do something to remedy that. You know, you see the uh, Tom Brady throwing these quick screens if he gets a certain look. Titans don't, don't do any of that, you know. It, it just seems like they're, they're stuck in a rut. They've been stuck in this rut since, gosh, dating back to Jeff Fisher. I, I, we talk about it all the time, the Titans are just not exciting, and it was just another frustrating offensive day. And thank goodness for Jameis Winston, you know, turning the ball over and giving Tennessee, you know, 14 easy points there. Yeah, to your point, uh, Derrick Henry's first four carries, negative one, 34, negative one, negative one. There you go. And, you know, and then the next one was for two. So, like, the – you know, there, we had this criticism of Derrick Henry. You know, even like at the beginning of last year, he didn't—he wasn't very decisive. He would dance in the backfield. That's not what he's doing now. I mean, he's getting the ball and trying to get downhill. Like he's just getting hit in the backfield. There, there's nothing that I, I, there's nothing he can do about that. Um, and that's—I mean, the offensive line is just—it's it's unbelievable how bad it's been for how long it's been bad. And I, I don't understand why they can't get that fixed. But. Um, you know, again, that wasn't really even the biggest issue yesterday. Like you said, you get that there are that there are limitations that you have because of that, especially when guys get hurt, all that kind of stuff. 
But at the same time, there are things you can do in a passing game to negate that kind of stuff. And the Titans just don't seem willing or capable. I mean, I don't know what the what the exact right answer there is, but they're just they're not taking advantage of things that it seems like they should take advantage of. So it's frustrating, and I'm I'm interested to see what happens. Um, you know, let's say that the rest of the year goes the way that it has with kind of these you know mediocre up and down performances. I mean, Mike Vrabel's not getting fired, I don't think. Um, but will they let Arthur, Arthur Smith go after one year as the offensive coordinator? I don't know. Um, you know, you're probably starting all over next year. Got hired this year was because of the continuity with Marcus Mariota. You won't have that concern next year. Um, so, I mean, I think it would make sense if they wanted to go ahead and, and make that change because it just looks like Arthur Smith's not it. I'm, I'm sure he's a really smart guy, and I'm sure he's been really good at breaking down film and, and all that kind of stuff. But there's a difference between being able to, to do that stuff, you know, in, in a room on Tuesday and setting up a game plan and making offensive play calls on Sunday. And, I mean, I, I don't know if, if you're ready to declare this yet, but for me, I just – I have not seen anything – that is encouraging that makes me think that Arthur Smith has got it and that we're going to see growth from him over the remainder of the season. And, and I go back to, you know, the opportunity that the Titans had, you know, to fix Marcus Mariota before he was totally broken. You hired a former linebacker, a leader of men, and you brought in an offensive coordinator who had never called plays before. Uh, so that, that part of it, you know, needs to be addressed too. And then you replace that guy who had never called plays before uh, with with the dude down the hall um, who was a Titans coach. So, I, you know, not to harp on the Mariota thing, but Mariota just just seemed like he didn't have a chance in Nashville, and, and it's such a shame because he was so good when he entered this league. And then you're you're just seeing the same thing play out. You're seeing some mediocre offense, uh, you know, and, and they beat they beat a bad Chargers team, they beat a bad Bucks team. Um, so, you, you know, what are you going to do down the stretch here? Are you going to be able to hang with uh, the Colts? Are you going to be able to hang with the Texans? What are you going to do against the Chiefs in two weeks? So it's just I, I don't have a lot of optimism there, and I'm like you. I don't know if, if Arthur Smith gets fired. I don't know if, if they give him time, uh, but certainly the continuity thing that is not a factor anymore. Uh, you know, but I, I'm just, you know, outside of Dean Pease, I'm just out on this coaching staff. I don't. I don't know what they bring to the table that is dynamic. You know, I don't see them scheming anything up. I don't see them taking advantage of anything. I, I feel like the Titans get out coached often. Um, you know, and I think you're going to get into a little bit of that when you talk about this uh, this field goal fiasco here. Absolutely, yes. Coming over to the break, we will get into what I think was one of the worst coaching decisions I've ever seen uh, in my life, and, and we've seen a lot of bad ones around here. Uh, so coming up, we're going to get a little bit into that. All right, so, I mean, I'm sure you know by now, but, you know, kind of to set the scene. So the Titans get the ball back, and they are up. Um, They're up, what, 27-23, which is the final. Um, they get the ball back after stopping or get, get, recovering a fumble from the Buccaneers. Um, get down, and it's fourth and two at the, at the t- Tampa's 28-yard line. Okay. Now, first of all, again, four-point game, late fourth quarter, like, you know, three or 435 when that last play was over. They come up to the line and do the thing where they act like they're going to try to draw the other team offside. <laughs> Our favorite. I, yeah, it, it. I don't. That play never works. It, it never works in that situation. And again, if you go back and watch it, the Titans don't even sell it well. 
Like, it's not like Tannehill's in there and just, like, giving hard counts and sending guys in motion. And, and like, I mean, they're almost like, like, he says hut and then kind of stands up and looks at the sideline and then goes in there again and says, you, you know, like, it, it's not even, I don't know, it's not even believable that they were going to do it anyway. But you, you kind of know in that situation that most likely they're not going to. So then you waste those 40 seconds. Which, which at the time at that point is, is not that big of a deal. Again, you have the lead, so that's not that big of a concern. But the timeout, in my opinion, is because now you're down to two timeouts. You're you're giving the ball back to the Buccaneers one way or another after this next play, whether it be you know you you kick the field goal and you make it, you kick the field goal and you miss it, you go for it, whatever. I mean, either way, the, the Bucks are going to have the ball back. There's a chance they can go down and score, and that you're going to need your timeouts to come back later. Okay, so I think wasting a timeout in that situation is a terrible decision. Okay, so then after that happens, we've done all that. So that's that's bad decision number one. You call the timeout. So now what? We have we have three options, right? You kick a field goal. You send your offense back out there to go for it, or uh, you, you know you call a fake field goal, right? Um, and so I mean I think that in in order of the you know smartness, if, that, if that's the right way to put it, of those decisions. Number one is to kick the field goal to go up seven. And again, like I, I get a, a little bit of hesitation on that. It's not like Cody Parkey is great. He had a good day yesterday. Um, so, I mean, it's a shorter one than he'd already made on the day. It means all that stuff. But, I mean, that, sure, there's a chance that he misses the field goal. Um, you put the offense back out there. And, again, if, if you get a first down there, then you got you at least get to run more time off the clock. You make the Bucks use their timeouts, whatever. Um, so, I mean, I, that would not have been a fan of that decision. But that would have been way better to me than – the fake field goal that they call where you are what you, the holders seven yards behind the, the line of scrimmage right so brett kern has to run at least nine yards uh to get a first down there when you've got the you know the opposing team's defense on the field i mean you got still a lot of fast guys for them out there and like i said at the beginning i mean vrabel's lucky that the official there was quick with the whistle because Kern absolutely fumbled. That guy was going to take it back for a touchdown. And now, you know, if that were the case and the Titans are down, they've got to go down and they've got to get, you know, at least a field goal uh, in that scenario to tie. Uh, who knows, Bucks? I mean, all, all that stuff would, would have come into play. But, you know, all that, never mind the fact that you almost got Brett Kern killed. Um, Taylor DeLon said after the game that he, he thought Kern was dead after the play. Um, you know, luckily he was able to come back and punt later. So I mean, I guess he's fine. But listen, we knew we know Mike Vrabel's an aggressive guy. We know that he wants to get that knockout punch and he wants to get it as soon as he can. But it, it's those types of decisions that, that that's that's just I mean, it's terrible. It, it's the whole the whole sequence there is bad. He keeps doing these things where it's just. Again, in my mind, there's a line between aggressive and stupid, and he's just way over on the stupid side of that line in, in too many of these instances. Honest question: Has that, you know, going for the knockout punch, has it worked out once yet? I, I don't think it has. No, I yeah. really don't think it has. You know, dating back to that Chargers game, you know, you, you go for the the win in London and, and it comes up short. Um, you know, you've got the 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 late game against the Colts, that whole deal. There were multiple errors there. Uh, you know, not going up three scores against the Falcons. You know, sending uh, the kicker out, Santos out uh, against Buffalo for the third time, misses, misses again, uh, was well out of his range. You know, and, and then you've got the, the list goes on and on and on. I, I just don't understand. And it, it's it's almost a joke at this point. Uh, the line of aggressive and stupid, he's pretty clearly on the stupid part of it. 
I, I just I, 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 I don't know. It, the Titans' brand of football is playing defense, running the ball, you know, playing conservative football to win, and then you've got this aggressive head coach who's just kind of off his rocker. I, I don't buy the, the the fact that they got the look that they wanted. It's fourth and two. Go up seven and, and, and play it safe. Yeah, you know, I, I I just I don't understand. I, I don't know what Mike Vrabel brings. You know, I keep saying this. I don't know what Mike Vrabel brings to the table. At this point, he's a liability. He's hurting the team. Uh, somebody needs to sit him down. I don't know if you hire an analyst uh, to to walk him through these situations and hold his hand. Get somebody in his ear. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if that was something that the players saw or if, if Vrabel called it himself. But uh, something's got to change. I, I, I mean, he's hurting the team at this point. And, you know, the Titans can't afford to make those errors. It's just like Vrabel is, is actively trying to sabotage the team in late-game situations. And that's, I mean, he said after the game that they got the look they wanted uh, from the Bucks to, to try that. And they've been working on it for a month in practice, and it works in practice. Well, and, and, you know, and, and a guy made a play. That was, that was what he said. Well, I mean, okay, first of all, that that stuff in practice, I don't think you should necessarily judge how successful that's going to be in a game based off of what happens in practice. Because number one, there's not anybody on the other side of the ball in practice that wants to kill Brett Kern. So like, you know, that that's just not. You're not going to get the same effort level uh, in that scenario from a from a linebacker on the Titans that you are from a linebacker on the Buccaneers. So I, I just I, I don't think that's a great that's a great look. You know the aggressiveness thing, like you said, the only thing the only time I can think of it paying off is last year against the Eagles. You know when he could have kicked a field goal and basically taken a tie, um, and, and they went four and four down a couple times, and ended up getting a win. So yeah, that was great. But like you said, it, it's just there have been all these times where. And, and like, listen, last, last week against the Chargers, the we, we, like I said, we needed a show, but you had the Ryan Tannehill sneak on fourth down. Okay, I understand the the logic of why they should have punted there, but I, I was fine with that. I mean, you know, yeah, I was. What I've punted, probably, yeah, but but that didn't work out. Didn't, you know, Vrabel said something in the press conference about how you know you, you guys don't ever talk about this stuff when it works or whatever. Like, I mean, that one didn't work out, but like, I didn't I didn't criticize that one. Because, again, like, you do that, you sneak. I mean, the percentages are really high that you're going to get that. Um, you know, they, they, they got a bad spot. People wanted to kill him for not challenging the spot last week. But my whole point on that was you couldn't see the ball, at least not from any of the replays that we saw. So they weren't going to change that spot. Um, so, you know, some of, the, some of the stuff I'm okay with, but the, the one yesterday is just dumb. I mean, it's just, it's just dumb. And like I said, it would I, I think it would have been dumb to go for it, but I would have been a thousand times better with them putting the offense out there and trying to run a play versus doing what they did. And so that's the thing. Like you said, like, what's, he, what's he bringing to the table? He's a leader of men. You, know, that's, you said that's the thing we, we, we heard all along, but like, is he? I, I mean, I, I think all the guys like him, I, you know, whatever. But we've still had these same issues where you have these flat performances. The guys come out and look uninspired. Um, I mean, and I think some of that's the NFL and, and all that kind of stuff. Like, I'm not saying that's necessarily his fault, but I also don't think he's doing some like super thing either. You know, right before the game or throughout the week to get these guys motivated differently than anybody else could. And so that's the thing. I mean, I really think that's what they wanted was some uh, was a guy that was going to kind of you know one like we talked about maximize the, the offense and two um, you know prevent some of those some of those letdown games that we've seen from this team so many times. So and I don't know. I mean, I go back to the whole thing. You know, what if Ryan Day would have come? 
because I still feel like that that's what Vrabel sold in the in the press or not in the press conference, in the interviews that that that's who he could get. Um, so you know, would things be different if he were here and, and he were the one you know calling this offense? Uh, I, I mean, there's there's a lot of questions like that. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I just I don't know. I don't know what he's bringing that you couldn't have somebody else do. And, and there are most people that they criticize the hire from the beginning. I mean, I was willing to let it, you know, kind of play out and see how it worked out. But the people that were talking about, you know, listen, if, if things go wrong with the offense, he's not an extra set of eyes that they can help fix those things. I mean, the, the people that had those concerns, it, it seems like those things have come to fruition. Yeah. And, and it just seems like, yeah, the league's going one way and Titans keep going the other. And, you know, well, it's logical. You know, teams get smaller and faster. Titans get bigger and stronger. I, I get that, but yeah, at a certain point, you got to try something new. Uh, and it just seems like they went down the same road here, uh, and, and nothing's changed. Like you said, Titans are four and four. They're tracking for eight and eight. You know, they've been nine and seven uh, three years in a row. Uh, I, I just, you know, you you start to wonder why you know Nissan Stadium looks like it does. Uh, there's not any sellouts anymore, and, and I get they're, they're league-wide. That's a problem, but it's just not an exciting brand of football, and you can sit here, what, every August, and you can tell people what's going to happen. You know, the Titans are going to look really good at certain times. They're going to come out. They're going to lose two, three, four games that they shouldn't, and they're going to be in the thick of the playoff race, and, you know, they're probably not going to make it. So uh, that's just what we've got here. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm just kind of tired of it. Uh, you know, I've talked about hitting the reset button on this franchise. I don't think you can do that, uh, because I think this roster is really good, but, uh, offensively, I, I think you do need a reset. I, I think you need some new offensive co- coaches. Obviously the quarterback spot is an issue. Uh, just like to see some new blood come in, some, fr- some fresh ideas because the Titans certainly haven't had any in the last decade. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, if you're going to do it on the offensive side, this feels like a really good time to do it because, like I said, you're going to have you're going to have a different quarterback group in, in some shape, form, or fashion next year. So I don't know; it would make sense. Um, all right, so I think that pretty much covers what happened yesterday. Uh, now the Titans go to Carolina uh, coming up this week, and that'll be a, a different challenge. Um, we'll, we'll see how that plays out, see if Cam Newton's going to play. Um, you know, all, all that stuff is, is yet to be answered this week. But they're 4-4, four and four. and again, that's just, I just kind of think what, what they're going to be. If they can, if they get some good breaks down the stretch, they could win 9 or 10 games. If they don't, it could be 7-8-6. Seven, seven, I mean, you know, it just that's just the type of team that they are right now. So any other final thoughts before we wrap this? I, I think you nailed it. They're, they're a six, seven, eight, nine win team somewhere in there. Nothing more, nothing less. And, and you know, I, I think that's where our frustrations come in. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I'm just not any, I'm not sure that this is any different than it would be if Malarkey was still here. I, right. I don't, absolutely. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know what they gained by moving on from him after he won a playoff game, and that, that's kind of what we were all hoping for. So anyway, all right, that'll do it for today's show. Uh, like I said, subscribe to this feed, MCM Radio. Get our show. Get Titans Film Room Radio. Um, we'll do another show this week heading up to the to the Carolina game at some point. So keep an eye out for that. MuseeMiracles.com. We'll have plenty more on this game. Again, follow us on Twitter. I'm at Jay Morris MCM. Terry's at T Lambert TN. So for Terry, this is Jimmy saying thanks for listening, and we will talk to you again later this week.